Jesus. Beloved, consider this. If there were some too far gone for God, then God certainly would not have instructed his youngins to snatch such ones from the fire. the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the others. We fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're going to continue on with part two of a series that we began last week titled Snatch, Save, Shows, based out of uh, use. Actually, our scripture passage is Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter there, so it won't be too difficult to locate that. Now, we kind of left you off last time, led you up to this teaching about doubts. And let me ask you this, any of you out there that ever have doubts? Do you ever have doubts about your own relationship with the Lord? Do you ever have doubts about the Bible, the Word of God? Is that really the Word of God? Is that really written to me? Is God out there? Does He have a plan for my life like Pastor Terry says that He does? And check this out. We're also going to deal with this. How do those of us who are strong in the faith, how do we deal with those who have doubts, those who are weak in the faith? Does the Bible offer any instructions to us? Are we, be, are we to be all high and mighty and uh, you know, like spiritual one-upmanship? status by negation. You're not as strong as I am, so you're not as good a Christian as I am. You have doubts, so there's something wrong with you. How am I supposed to react to the doubter? Well, Jude tells us, and we're going to talk about that, among a number of other things. I want to read just one verse in your hearing from this one chapter, and it's verse 22, and the Word of God puts it this way, be merciful to those who doubt. Look at that again, be merciful to those who doubt. Father, I thank you so much for each and every one that's turned on this telecast by whatever means, and I pray that by your word, the holy word of God, that you would speak to their hearts through by your Holy Spirit, and we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before we jump into the program, let me just remind you one more time, if you have some questions about what we deal with here on New Life Telecast. There's a web address right down there on the bottom of the screen. If you, or an email address, address rather, if you would email me your questions, just ask Pasta T, as the uh, lower third says, then I will do my best to get back with you. And I, let me be clear again, I have to say this quite often, I'm not talking about arguing or debating or any such thing, but if you have some legit questions that you are struggling with, just uh, email me, let me know what it is. I promise we'll do this anonymously. There's not going to be any name calling or, you know, old Joe Blow said this, but I'll do my best from the Word of God to answer any questions that you might have. Uh, whether it pertains to the current message or just a question in general. Now, I don't know everything, 
but I know a lot of people who do. We'll try to round them up and find you a good, solid, Bible-based answer to your questions. You uh, keep your Bibles handy, keep your pen, paper handy, take some notes if you please as we share this particular teaching with you. God bless. I'm actually teaching you this morning the back half of this truth from Jude chapter 1, verses 22, 23 in particular. It's one that I've entitled, Snatching, Saving, and Showing Mercy. And I'm going to summarize the first part and actually introduce by that summary the second part or the back half of this teaching that we've titled Snatching, Saving, and Showing Mercy. I'm going to do it just like this. We went over uh, the first part of this last week in detail. I'm not going to do that again this morning. But the first three study notes on your study notes, which have already been filled in if you're paying attention, we'll ask you to underline them again perhaps. But I want to read those for you without a lot of commentary, and that will provide our summary this morning. Number one says this, Every sinner would benefit immensely by turning themselves away from their sin and turning toward God. Now, I asked last week if you agreed or disagreed with that statement, and it at least appeared from my perspective that everybody here said they agreed with that. Every sinner would benefit immensely by turning away from their sin and turning toward God. My question to you was this, how is that supposed to happen? How is that supposed to happen? Secondly, number two on your study notes, you, and I would encourage you to scratch out I or you or whatever is in that blank and put your name over top of it. You, whoever you are, whether you're here looking at me this morning or listening by way of live stream, whether you have become a follower of Christ yet or not, you have a personal responsibility to engage God's business. What is God's business, church? Perhaps that's why more people aren't engaged in God's business because they don't know what it is. What is God's business? Soul winning. Say that right out loud with me. Soul winning. You understand what that means? Someone is lost and you do your part to reach into that one to share with them the good news, the gospel, that Jesus has come, that he died, that he was resurrected, he's coming again. He did all of that for their sins. That's soul winning. That is the business of the church. Thirdly, Holy Spirit revealed to Jude some insight regarding a specific component of soul winning. Now watch this. When Holy Spirit revealed it to Jude and Jude wrote it down, and it ended up in God's word or the Bible, then, beloved, this is meant for us, those of us even here today. There's a particular component of soul winning that isn't always considered, and this is very important, church, it isn't always considered, but nearly always encountered. Nearly always encountered. And that's going to be the underlying theme of what we're sharing with you in this particular teaching. Listen. There will be those that oppose soul winning. 
There will be those that oppose soul winners. When you're born again, spirit-filled, and you make the determination, you know what? I'm going to do what Jesus said. He said, if I'd follow him, he would make me fishers of men. I'm going to do that. When you make that determination, there are going to be those who oppose you. There are going to be those who attempt to squelch what's going on with you. There will be those that will attempt to stymie what's going on with you. There will be those who will attempt to shut you down. Are you with me? It's important to know and understand this. Such opposition will serve to fuel doubts among the many. Now listen, there are many persons, and we, we embellished this quite a bit last, last week. There are many persons who I believe they really are in a relationship with God, and yet they are unsure about that relationship. They have doubts about that relationship. The, uh, the opposition, those coming against such ones, further exacerbates this leaning. So it's important that you understand this. First John chapter 5 and verse number 13, it's appearing on the screen, and it says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, and I trust that that's you. He's saying, I'll write these things to you so that, here's why I wrote this, so that you may, say it with me, know that you have eternal life. And we talked about the whole hope so, maybe so, wish so. But the important thing is that we know that the word was given, Jesus was giving, given, God's plan was put into effect so that we might know that we have eternal life. Number four, and I think this is the first thing you'll need to fill in on your notes. Pay close attention to this. Beloved, when you entertain Doubt. Now, I think I have it underlined once. Will you underline it again? Put a box right. Just draw a little box around that. It's important. Now, I act, acted this out for you last week. I'm not going to do that this morning. But when you entertain doubt, I'm not talking about when doubt knocks on your door. But when you answer the door, when you entertain doubt, you are failing to express faith in God. Again, I trust that you know and understand there is a difference between receiving the knock and entertaining or inviting doubt to come in. Does that make sense? You remember, is that making sense to you? I said to you that doubt produces more doubt. A little bit of doubt here, a little bit of doubt there. Pretty soon you have a, just a overwhelmed with doubt. Same thing about faith. Faith produces more faith. A little bit of faith, add to that some more faith, add to that pretty soon, uh, faith just begins to grow. I suggested to you, you need to fertilize the one that you want. If you want to live a life of doubt, you fertilize that. If you want to live a life of faith, you fertilize that. Now listen, if you're one of those doubters, one of those that doubts their relationship with the Lord, that doubts whether you've been born again, doubts whether or not you have eternal life. If you're one of those, God can help you with that. God can help you with that. If you are willing to be helped. Shakespeare said this, our doubts are traitors and make us lose the good we oft might win. And it goes on, but I'm going to stop right there. Listen to this preacher. The very nature of faith lends itself to some doubt. 
Let me pause and let you think about that. The very nature of faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the very nature of faith lends itself to some doubt. Doubt happens, right? But I want to encourage you, beloved, do not embrace doubt. Lay your faith over doubt. Don't allow for doubt to become your Master, know the difference between doubt when it knocks and you inviting it to come in. What did we tell you last week? We told you to just tell it to go away. Go away. Leave me alone. You're not welcome here. Now, boy, we just breezed right through that introduction summary thingy, didn't we? So here we are headed into the back half of this, this teaching. And I, I come to this question that I left off with last week. And it's simply this. How should the rest of us react to these ones? Those who are doubters, even those who keep answering the door. Come on in. I was expecting you. How should the rest of us react to these ones? Look at verse 22 of Jude chapter 1. Jude tells us this. Be merciful to those who doubt. Don't beat them up. Don't write them off. Don't cast aspersions on them. Don't speak condescendingly to them. Don't act like you're more spiritual than them. Be merciful to those who doubt. Weymouth puts it this way. You must endeavor to convince the doubters. Endeavor to convince. Peterson's paraphrase puts it this way. Go easy on those. Go easy on those doubters. Don't give them a, a hard time. Number five on your study notes. In other words, if a brother or sister, I'm talking about someone who has been born again, they have a testimony. They would testify, testify about spirit and filling. If a brother or sister has honest questions regarding their relationship with the Lord, then those who are a bit more settled should strive to bring such one to assurance or bring them to a confirmation of their relationship with the Lord. Don't just dismiss their questions or write them off. Go with me to Romans chapter 15 if you have your Bibles. If you don't, it will magically appear on the monitors. Romans chapter 15 the first part of verse number one says this, we who are what, church? We who are strong. And you know, I'm amazed at how many people are reluctant to admit that they're strong in the Lord. But Paul says, we who are strong, apparently there were some, we means more than just Paul, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. We ought to bear with them, not just write them off. The contemporary English version puts it this way. If our faith is strong, we should be patient with the Lord's followers whose faith is weak. If we've added to our faith and we've added to our faith and we've added to our faith, our faith is strong, then we are to add to those or to reach back to, to be patient with the Lord's followers who are weak. 1 Corinthians 9.22, Paul said it this way to the Corinthians uh, who he uh, indicted at some point in time about being worldly, about being carnal. They weren't catching some of this stuff. So Paul says to them here, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. The New Living Translation says, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak 
to Christ. You understand what he's saying? Listen to me. Patient endurance. Write that on your notes somewhere. Patient endurance could be a seed sown that produces a tremendous harvest. Someone is weak. Someone has answered the door and invited doubt to come in. If we are patient with them, perhaps that is a seed that's sown that will take root and begin to bear fruit in their life in the days to come. Be merciful to those who doubt. By the way, that starts with our conversation. Then Jude moves on. He moves on to tell us about some other persons, not just doubters. Come on in. I was expecting you. He tells us about some other persons. Latter part of verse 23. Some persons that need to be snatched. You understand snatched? Persons that need to be snatched from the fire in order to be saved. Mr. McGee, Dr. McGee, one of my mentors, seems to think these are those that most would say are hopeless. Do you know anybody like that? Perhaps some of your friends, some of your family members, people that you know work with, people have said about them, oh, they're just hopeless when it comes to their spirituality. When it comes to their relationship with the church and with Christ and with our Heavenly Father, people will say, oh, they're hopeless. They're hopeless. On the center scale from 1 to 10, they would be an 11 or a 12. How many of you used to be that? Don't raise your hand. There's some of you in here that probably at some point in time, someone said about you, oh, they're help, hopeless. Hopeless. Hey, here's a question for you. Are some sinners, some of you have often wondered about this, are some sinners too far gone for God's grace to touch? Someone listening by way of live stream right now, someone has written you off and you believed it. Someone convinced you that you are too far gone for God to reach into your heart and to change your heart. Well, I wonder if the Bible has anything to say about that. I believe it does. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 20. Somebody tell me where Romans chapter 5 is found. Say it out loud. In the Bible, the Word of God. I didn't make this up. I didn't write this. This is not the book of Terry. It's Romans. Paul called of God writing to the Romans and it ended up in God's eternal word. Here's what he says. But where sin increased, listen to me church, let me see your eyeballs. Where somebody celebrated sin and engaged sin and added to sin, sin upon sin upon sin upon sin, where sin increased, the word of God says that grace increased all the more. There's a big old pile of sin 
The word of God says there's a big old pile of grace, a bigger pile of grace to cover. Somebody here needs to hear this because the enemy has convinced you that that is not true. You've committed a little pile of sins and you're done. You're hopeless. You cannot be forgiven. You have no hope of heaven. I'm here to tell you that was a lie that was generated in the depths of hell and perpetrated by the enemy of your soul, Satan. The Bible says grace is increased all the more. Hallelujah. Woo, I believe if you preach this in a Pentecostal church, somebody would be having a running fit right about now. But you Quakers just sit there. Don't get too excited. <laughs> Verse 21, so that just as sin reigned in death, and it did, so also grace might reign Grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's good news right there. That's not the only place that's mentioned. When Paul wrote to his, uh, his young son in the faith, Timothy, he said this in chapter 1, verse 14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Do you understand that image? The grace of God wasn't trickled or sprinkled. It was poured out on me. Not just a dribble, not just a dab, but it was poured out abundantly. What was poured out abundantly? Grace. grace. The grace of God, the grace of our Lord, along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Beloved, consider this. If there were some too far gone for God, then God certainly would not have instructed his youngins to snatch such ones from the fire. Are you following me? I'm all the way up to number six. Will you fill that in with me? God would not have instructed us to snatch such ones from the fire if they were too far gone. He's not into exercises of futility or infutility. Now, I want to point out something here. The word snatching that's used here in Jude, the word snatching is the same word that we use. Watch this. This is a teaching point. It's the same word that we use to describe the rapture. Many would say, you know, that rapture thing y'all believe in, man, that's not biblical. That word's not in the Bible. It is not. You are right. The word harpazo is, which means to snatch. That's what happens during the rapture. This is the same word. It literally means to seize by force. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there a little bit more to this. We'll share that with you next time, the Lord willing. Hey, listen up. I might be speaking to a hardened sinner tonight. Somebody that's perhaps tuned in this program quite by accident. You had no intention of listening to this little preacher talk to you about the Bible or the Word of God. Here's something that I know, something I'm very confident in. First of all, I haven't always been a preacher. I was a sinner. I come into this world as a sinner. had a sin problem, was far away from God, but God drew me in by His convicting power, by Holy Spirit, through His Word. And here's what I know. God is real his word is real. And no matter how hard you are, I believe that every man has this God-sized void. When I say man, I'm talking about a person, man, woman, boy, or girl, has this God-sized void in their life. And if God isn't put in there, you feel empty 
and hopeless and helpless and just kind of going through life, sometimes overcompensating by showing some bravado or some kind of diversionary tactic. But at the end of the day, when you're all by yourself, just you and the Holy Spirit, you begin to realize there's an emptiness inside. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? How do you know that about me? Because I told you, been there done that and it's for real what do you do about a situation like that do you keep just going on being hard-headed and hard-hearted and just trying to prove to everybody that you're the man or do you yield to that still small voice that little uncertainty inside that keeps telling you that you are not ready to meet god you're not ready for eternity you are not ready to draw your last breath i'll tell you how you can be by asking God to forgive you of your sins, confessing your sins, repenting of those sins, opening up your heart's door and inviting Jesus to come in to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and to dwell within you by Holy Spirit. That's the beginning. Certainly there's a little more to it. Uh, something I'd like to share with you a little more intimately at the, the appropriate time. But I trust that uh, that will be sufficient for this time and this particular medium. If you've never asked God to forgive you and to establish you as His child, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It, you do simply do that through prayer. And I know there are a lot of people that say, you know, that sinner prayer thing, that's not in the Bible. I've never found that in the Bible. Listen, I, I know, I understand that. There's no paragraph or address there that I can give you that's labeled the sinner's prayer. But how else do we talk to God there is scripture that says we're to confess our sins. How else do we do that than through prayer, talking to God? There's scripture for us to repent, for us to open our heart's door to believe and receive. How else do we do that other than through the avenue of prayer? You see, sometimes there's just no sense arguing about certain things. And if you stop and think about it, and think about it rationally and in a balanced way, it all begins to come together. Father God, I pray for that one right now who would consider themselves hardened. But you've been dealing with that old hard heart, and you can and you will uh, finger around that heart and make it soft and malleable and receptive to your word and your plan of salvation. I pray you do that right now. And I pray for each one that may be praying now, perhaps for the first time, confessing their sins, admitting to you they're a sinner. They're sorry for their sin. They realize that they've transgressed against you, not just their fellow man, but they've transgressed your will as they repent of that sin and open up their heart and say, Jesus, you're out there. And if you're out there, I'm asking you to come in. As they open their heart's door, I pray you would come in. And I trust and pray that they would know of a certainty that they have received you by Holy Spirit. I pray for that confirmation in their heart, their life right now. In the name of Jesus. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or perhaps you've been walking away from God in a backslidden condition, you prayed that prayer again, and you really meant it, I trust and pray that you have sensed that confirmation. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about what happened. And I'd love to hear from you here. Have some other uh, information uh, some resources that I would like to put into your hands. If you'll just let us know, if you'll call or write us uh, and just ask for the new believers material. It looks a little bit like this, just some little pamphlets. I'll be glad to put that in your hands. It would be a help to you. 
I believe that. I'm here for you. There's somebody out there right now that needs to hear this. You're thinking, nobody cares about me. Nobody cares. And listen, that could be because you don't care about anybody. But you've just prayed that prayer and you realize that God cares about you and He has a plan for your life. And there's this little old preacher talking back at you right now that's reaching out, reaching through this medium saying, hey, let us help. We're here for you. We would love to help. Before I get out of here, I do want to remind you that New Life Community Church meets in person Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening. We call it Family Ministries Night, 7 o'clock. And trust me when I tell you there's a host of other events that take place here over and over and over again. I've got to get out of here. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, reminding you, my friends, that Jesus is coming back. Is he coming back for you? Lord God.